here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Japan Pro Wrestling's first ever headlining event in America. Tickets sold out in the mere two hours. A fighting style world renowned set the crowd alight. And now, in 2018, ever-evolving New Japan Pro Wrestling has its sights set on the world and America is next. That New Japan Pro Wrestling will return to the United States in 2018! New Japan is coming. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better than ever. We will rule the wrestling world. This is Strong Style Evolved. Omikaze episode number 39. We are coming to you live on location from the Hotel Current in beautiful Long Beach, California. That's right, it is our live thoughts episode of watching DDT Damnate or <laughs> Judgment from the confines of this hotel room. Sean, what were your thoughts on Coke Cabana versus Joey Ryan? It was certainly <laughs> a match that happened. Like, it was one of those situations where this. 
it was psychology. It was psychology that made sense within its own strange world of psychology. I also don't know how Joey Ryan had room to stuff three lollipops down his trunks, but uh, he, maybe his little compartments in the trunks. I don't know, but... I like that you just went with that. That was good. But no, we're actually here to talk about Strong Style Evolved, which we uh, attended live. Um, Sean, why don't you introduce yourself? You're a now three-time returning guest? Three-time. Three-time. Sean 3K. Sean 3K. Well, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm Sean uh, at the Dragon Suplex on Twitter. I know that's at the end, but that's what most people know me for. I'm also I write for Voices Wrestling, doing mostly Joshi and Stardom stuff. But I'm actually commenting on uh, men's wrestling today for the first time in uh, on a podcast form. So looking forward to that. And thought it was a great show. Yeah, it was a really good show. That's basically, um, I guess, not to spoil things, but the. You know, for, for, for a while, it kind of felt like we were watching a Corican, <laughs> except in a way bigger building in America. But I would say, like, the last three matches really, like, put over the top to a, to be a, a, a show that I felt, um, you know, more than worthwhile, you know, coming out here and making the trip. Yeah. It was a long trip out from New York, but, um, I mean, I don't mind being on planes. <laughs> I really don't give a shit. And airfare from New York to L.A. is actually a lot cheaper than people think. Yeah, it was so. a a lot better than I thought it was. Spent uh, most of the, most of yesterday in Little Tokyo in K Town. That was pretty sweet. But... Yeah, you've never been out here. I've been no. out. I've been to LA twice. Um, we had some adventures yesterday. It was a a good time. Um, adventures, you said. We we got we got like um, propositioned by a very tiny elf to <laughs> to go to her high roll castle party. Uh, that so, was kind. Of, that was she, she was concerningly young. That was not good. There is um so basically there's this like basement in Little Tokyo where um there's these like five or six like different anime stores like all in the same little uh like owned by the same company I think is runs out of Tokyo also runs out of Japan and first of all it's like heaven for a for two weeaboos like us it was a uh, it was a really cool stuff I bought I bought some random. Hatsune Miku stuff. It was it was really cool. We have nothing like that in New York. I have to say, like, there's a store called Image Anime that really kind of sucks. Like, I go there because it's pretty close to my job, and I go there from time to time, and they never have anything interesting, and it's not that big. And there's like Kinokuniya, which is okay, but there's nothing like that. That was like pretty giant. Like, it was a little. It was like they took a little slice out of Akiba and like put it in the middle of Los Angeles. It's, and I I hear it's like in San Francisco. There's even more stuff. Welcome everyone to Weeaboo Omakase. I'm your host, Sean Williams, alongside John Carroll. Now. But but there were these girls standing out there um, handing out these these flyers for a Hyrule Castle party the following weekend. It's at a maid cafe for the rest. Yeah, it's like a maid cafe um, with a Zelda theme. And if you know what a maid cafe is, the, the, the age of these girls was very concerning and like uh they learned they were 12 years old i'm just like what the fuck is going on in los angeles a 12 year old are trying to get me to go to a, a zelda themed maid cafe the maid cafe itself isn't zelda themed they apparently have a bunch of themes i went and looked this up this up on facebook <laughs> afterwards for science of course of course you did but um but yeah like la is cool um i'm gonna be out here you're going you're flying back tomorrow morning yeah i'm, fl- I'm flying back tomorrow morning unfortunately I'm, I'm f- I, I will definitely be coming back to la at some point yeah i'm flying back on on uh tuesday morning because i'm gonna go to like king's game tomorrow night with a old buddy of mine john so. of course tomorrow we'll be staying in the weeboo hotel yeah i'm well. staying in the miyako I, we we accidentally walked into our hotel without realizing it because we were going through of course i, I asked this guy 
you know, you, you got one day in Los Angeles, what do you want to go to? I'm expecting to hear like Hollywood or the Walk of Fame. He's like, I want to see a little Tokyo, John. <laughs> Welcome like... to Barry Sean Omakase. I'm your host, John Carroll. Uh, but no, I mean, I agree with your decision, but I'm also a Wii yeah. so it's fine. Yeah, no. We I mean, just, want to see Little Tokyo. There's just so many like little bakeries, and it is really cool. Little Tokyo is um, really, little really, awesome. really cool. It's very tiny, but it's really awesome. And like, Korea, the little part is very serious. It's like a block, but it's really cool. And then Koreatown is like seven or eight <laughs> times as big yeah, as Yeah, K- K-Town is like gigantic. Like, you can, it's really hard to walk through it because it's just so fucking big. It's just like, just all these highways. Yeah, but we had some really great Korean barbecue. It was great. Yeah, I made this joke on Twitter, but after it's one of my few good jokes, I'll make it again. But like... If I had found some random people to beat up on the street that were accosting me, I would have basically been living like what I play in Yakuza. I mean, we have Korean <laughs> barbecue. I stopped multiple times throughout the day in various districts to get food. Then went and sang some karaoke. Like, it's, seriously, it's, it's real god. Yeah. It was great. The karaoke was cool, too. Uh, mostly because of people we were with. But, um, but yeah, so I'm going to see that Kings game tomorrow. That I'm flying back Tuesday morning. Um had a great time here. That's my third time in LA. I'd definitely come back again. But earlier today, we did watch Judgment. As I said, we watched like half of Judgment. We got up to the six-man tag title match. Um, I know that's not why you're here, but it was a really, really fun half of the show. Like, the undercard was awesome. Uh, that Tokyo Joshi Pro six-woman six tag, like, that might have been, like, my third favorite match I've seen today. It was so good. And, like, Miyu Yamashita beat the fucking shit. Out of Charlotte and her poor Teddy, or no, 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 out of Yoshiko Sama and her poor Teddy Bear Charlotte. Yeah, like um, since that's that matches somewhat on brand for me, I'll talk about it a little bit. Like I'd seen maybe one uh, Mio Yamashita match before this. She looks like she will kill someone, just like serial killer, stone fade, just, and then she goes in. I, I don't know how Tokyo Joshi Pro found her. But she's like the one serious wrestler in this roster of ridiculousness, which is actually an archetype I really like. Yeah. And as much as this hurts my brand in other ways, I'm all in on Yoshiko-sama. She wrestled basically the entire match holding this teddy bear. (laughs) Yeah. Which Maki Ito at one point grabbed and just like, you have never seen a woman take out more anger and frustration on a fucking inanimate object than Maki Ito took out on this teddy bear. It was so awesome. I love Maki Ito so much. And then Yoshiko Sama took the teddy bear and smacked her in the face with it. <laughs> yeah. about as hard as possible. Uh, that match was so good. Um, I mean, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, it, it's just interesting to see how those characters work. And considering what everyone knows Yoshiko for, even if we discount the incident, she's known for like her wars with Rina Yamashita. She's known for being this badass yeah. that just... And so seeing, she's really good at this stuff. Yeah. Kind of like Aja in Hustle doing, like, the American character. Like, yeah. I thought that character was really good. I think Yoshiko-sama is really good. They should it, bring her back. Yeah. It's just funny to me, considering Saki and Yoshiko had what I consider the worst World of Stardom mat- title match of all time. Well, once you told me the year, I was like, I don't I don't doubt it, because Saki Akai fucking sucked in, like, 2014 or 2015. And I think she's improved a lot. She's, like, perfectly fine now, especially... In the Saki Sama gimmick, she's way better. But, um, I mean, she's never going to be great, probably, but she's, you know, she's decent now. But yeah, 2014, 2015, she was, like, unwatchable. So, I don't I don't doubt. That was a very poor idea to put her in a World Starter title match. But what are you going to do, I guess? Um, all right. We should, I, I do want to mention, to the bear trap, because that was awesome. 
the, the Super Sazdago is seen setting this bear trap repeatedly for Jiro, uh, Jiro Ikemen Kashiro, and like <laughs> you, this stupid bear trap that never should have worked, it worked, and that was the finish. They built the fucking bear trap up and then had it be the finish. That was fucking perfect. I'm like slapping my leg because I love it so much. But yeah, so DET fucking owns. But you know what else owns? New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they had a. They had a very good show tonight at the Walter Pyramid. I guess let's give like live specific stuff first. Um, the venue is very cool from the outside, especially because it's it's a fucking pyramid. Yeah. Like that that yeah, I've that never part. gotten to see wrestling in a pyramid before today. Yeah, I mean, unless they're gonna start running it in the Luxor, or like <laughs> I don't know where all the fuck else we have pyramids. So they want to go. They can go do uh, Tokyo Big Site and do an upside down pyramid. But uh, <laughs> barring, I think they have done that actually. But but barring that, um, you know, a very rare chance to see wrestling in a pyramid. The one thing that sucked about it was it took like an eternity to get in the building. Um, you know, we so they, the door's supposed to open three thirty LA time for the five o'clock start. We got there like two forty five, so like forty five minutes early. And at that point, the line was already on the other side of the building, wrapped around. Yeah, um, and it got so much longer after we got there. But like the reason why it took forever is because like they were doing like full fucking pat downs. Which I haven't, I haven't seen like the full pat, the full like security pat down in a while. That was something. I was like, okay, like I don't know, no one's coming to bomb the Walter Pyramid guys. You can take it down a notch here. But um, once we finally got into the building, you know, it was a really cool setup. Um, the the dual like entrance ramps, like you know, as someone who's been to Rio Goku, it, it really reminded me of Rio Goku. So that's a, it was like a mini Rio Goku kind of. So that was really cool. Um, the longest merchandise lines in the history of humanity. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anyone trying to buy merch, it's like, the internet exists. Like, I don't know why the fuck people... Miss... I don't know if the exclusive stuff is going to be on the internet. Yeah. So far, but it was like, I remember being at the Tokyo Dome and the merch lines weren't that long. Like, even be- before the show, when I went to the Dome, they had an outdoor merch stand and it was a giant line. Like, I wouldn't bother, but this line was longer than that. Like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have 5,000 people and you have one merch table. I guess it's going to happen. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So the merch line was really long. I didn't I didn't even bother getting in it. And like, if you look at the two sides of the, because where we were sitting, we were we were sitting um, on the hard camp side, like row E, so like the yeah, fifth so... the fifth row of like the elevated. So pretty much the best seats we could have gotten, I think, other than like being ringside. And even you were saying it might even be better than like back of the row because yeah. like you have to you have to look over everybody's fucking head. Yeah. Like the ring was directly in front of us. We were almost dead center. We had the entrance, one of the entrance rays right directly to our right. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, you probably saw a lot of me on this show, whether you knew it or not, because I'm wearing this red Mayu Utani shirt, and thus I stand out like a sore thumb in the wave of Black Bullet Club merchandise <laughs> and Black Wilson Gobernables de Japón merchandise. Yeah, and like I was wearing, wearing. And Black Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirts. <laughs> there were a lot of. So yeah, you probably saw me and didn't know it. Hi, nice to meet you all. Yeah, um, but what, what I was trying to say, though, is... So for your city, we had a very good um, like view of the two like stands on either side, like the big stands of of, uh, of seats, and like they looked like half full when it started. So I was like, oh no, did the uh, did nobody buy the secondary market? But like by match five or six, they were completely full almost. Like I have pictures, like they were almost completely full, like every seat taken up. So I think that was just people who were in the fucking merch line Forever. for the entire first, like, four fucking matches who finally got back to their seats. Yeah, I think I remember someone telling us that last year, it was, say there was, like, people in the merch line who missed the first two yeah, hours Rich, of the show waiting I, in the merch I, I, line. Yeah, Rich was telling me about that, too, I think. I think it was Rich Preach. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
Like, I, I, I like t-shirts too, but I cannot imagine missing, like, half the card that I came to see because I really wanted the Hello Kitty <laughs> USA New Japan shirt. Now, look, I kind of wanted that shirt. I love Hello Kitty, but I wasn't going to stand in a fucking four-hour line for it and, and to, miss or four-match line. John, he stopped at the Sanrio store in Little Tokyo to make his previous Hello Kitty purchase. I did. So I his Hello Kitty quota for the trip was met. Don't worry, I, I, I did buy a, a, a Kitty-chan with a, holding like a red ring, like a little plushie that was like on sale for 25% off. So don't worry, I got my Kitty merchandise in. Weebs <laughs> continue to bury each other in the entire <laughs> I bought, what else did I buy? I bought a Mega Man X figure yeah. that was, because I just saw it and I was like, that was my childhood, basically Mega Man X. Everything else is always Mega Man regular. I don't give a shit about regular Mega Man. It's all about Mega Man X. So I got my Mega Man X figure and I got like a, a Hatsune Miku, um, like lanyard, so I could put that on and be special at Anime Cons. So. And a keychain. And a keychain, key chain, yeah. I got a yeah. keychain. I was going to buy stuff, but I wanted to save money for merch at the show, and then the merch line was so long, <laughs> so that didn't end up working out, which makes me sad, because among all of the other weeb nonsense that I would have normally bought anyway, there's this Snorlax piggy bank oh. that we saw at the store. <laughs> we saw it repeatedly. And it's, it was, it's perfect. I mean, it's like, if you want to just put your coins in something, you need something like... Like a piggy bank, it's got to be kind of big, it's got to be round, and it's a Snorlax. It's right there, it's like $39. I sincerely regret not buying this stupid Snorlax piggy bank. And it would have just been funny to go home to my fiance. It's like, oh, would you buy your trip? Did you buy a wrestling shirt? Did you buy this? No, Snorlax piggy bank. <laughs> I mean, we kept seeing it repeatedly. Yeah, like in the it was, store. It was on the outside, like the, the facing the exterior, and then it was like... like Three other places inside. They really wanted to move these fucking Snorlax piggy bags. They were all over the store. But yeah. Deeply regret not buying a Snorlax. You really should bag. have. I, I regret that you didn't buy a Snorlax piggy bag. I might go there tomorrow and buy one. Just, just, just say I bought it now. But I, do you remember how much it was? I don't remember. I think it was like, like 35, 30, 40 it's a bucks. Very, it's a very reasonable price for a Snorlax piggy bag. I'll consider it. Um, but anyway. Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling is what yes. we're actually here to talk yes. about. Back to the pyramid. Um, the pyramid is cool. I really, I don't think they're ever going to run it again because yeah. it fucking sold out in 15 minutes. So like, they can't run these tiny ass buildings anymore. Um, but yeah, being just being in a crowd of like 5,000 American wrestling fans while they while the Japanese announcements were being made, that was one of the most surreal things in my life. Especially since I had been to actual Japanese, you, you too, yeah. I've been to Japanese yeah. wrestling shows before. So then, then to come and see, like, hear the, guy, the same fucking guy's voice doing the same announcements I hear all the time in Japanese with Japanese crowds in an American crowd. Like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, but it just was really surreal. And, like, it, that was one of those cool, like, goosebump feelings for me. Um, I mean, the atmosphere in there was great. There were some annoying fans, but there's always going to be some annoying fans. It wasn't anywhere as bad as, like, a fucking Ring of Honor New York show. Like, those make me want to, like, <laughs> jump off a building. But the actual, like, um, you know, there were a few fans I thought made too many WWE references, which, you know, annoy me because I don't like WWE. And um, <laughs> there were a few fans that just were kind of annoying, especially, like, sitting, sitting kind of close to us. But there, were no, there was no one, like, when we went to King of Trios, the fans yeah. just between Boston Crab yeah. for no reason. Over there was no, no one on that level of annoying. There was no one on the level of the guy in the suit at the last one on a global war show who hated everyone on the show and then just randomly started chanting for john cena there's no there's nobody like that but so overall i would call it the crowd a good crowd um and they were hot all night too and i think something that's important because i think one of the things that 
I and other people were talking about going into the car, just looking at it like that whole, it looks like a Karakuen. Yeah. And for New Japan, I think, to be successful, I mean, obviously, I think going to the Cow Palace is going to be different because they're going to be putting a lot more people. But depending, they can't just give away big matches at every single show or they'll run out of them. They need to be able to run a show like this and like have a, it. Yeah, it has like a big match, basically. Yeah. But the rest of the card, you know, God bless Hangman Page and Jay White, but that's not exactly a title match that was going to be main eventing on the arena in Japan of significance. So... You know, you, you, you don't want to give away, like, you know, four title matches or anything, so... Well, it's, I think this is one of the best balanced shows that I've ever been to, and that everything had a purpose, and everything did a good job at doing what it was supposed to do on the card. Yeah, it felt to me like... I mean, you know, I've been to New Japan... I, I, well, a New Japan Cork, and actually only once, but it felt like that to me up through, like, match four or five, but then everything from the rest of it, was, you know, was not like a, you know... You, you always pronounce it correctly. I, mean, I should start doing it, too. But everybody else says Corican. I know that's incorrect, but that's what everybody else says. Um, but, yeah. See, so, a good show. Let's get into the match-by-match match here. Uh, the opener was the SoCal Uncensored trio of Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, taking on the trio from Chaos, uh, Rapungi 3K, Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo. Um, everybody was pretty over here. The crowd, like reacted bigger for SoCal and Center than I thought they would but then like we're in SoCal I, I know that's when I like when the when the pop when they had that pop I was like what the fuck really and then I was like oh duh we're in Southern California <laughs> and that's why oh, but they, they weren't that into them in the actual match they just really popped when they saw that SoCal license yeah. plate on the screen I guess but and then Punky 3K was really over too though so that was where I was like, okay, this is a pretty hardcore crowd. If you know, not, you know, not that Show and Yo aren't pushed, but they're not. They're, they, they've been. And Rocky's also wrestled yeah, a million matches in Southern too. California. But Show and Yo have been around for like you know five months yeah. or something. So that's really as a push down. Clearly, all big ROH Tempura Boys fans. Yeah, but um, I mean, I thought it was a pretty hardcore crowd though. Yeah, no, so. I, I would tend to agree. Just yeah, and like, oh, other thing, like there was probably at least one out of every four, or one out of every five people had. Some form of Bullet Club merch on, if not more than that. Those guys were moving a shitload yeah. of merch. Case. It was like a lot of Bullet Club and then a lot of LIJ from the rest. Yeah. I mean, no one near as much Bullet Club, but like of the people not wearing Bullet Club shirts, like probably what, like half were wearing <laughs> LIJ and yeah. then like the other half was just like random other wrestling shirts. Yeah. Like, like Kazuchika, uh, Kazuchika Okada needs to learn how to make merch apparently because. He's, he's His over. merch is almost universally awful. Yeah, and like I, I saw like two Raymaker shirts yeah. in the entire crowd. I, I did so. my job representing Stardom wearing my Mayu Watani shirt. So. I was in a purple and black LIJ shirt because I was like, I was like, I'm going to be all clever and wear an evil color one when evil's not even here so no one else have my shirt and like five other people I saw with my purple and black shirt. So it's like, all right, I should just wear my Naito face shirt or something. Um, oh, I have to tell the story actually from the plane. So I talked about this on Twitter. I wore my Naito, my, my LIJ shirt with Naito's face on it um, on our plane, our flight early early yesterday morning from New York to LA. As I'm exiting the plane, one of the flight attendants looks right at me and is like, you look like the guy in your shirt. I was like, thank you. And then like, I mean, that was like the greatest compliment. Like he couldn't, there was no way for him to know how much he had just complimented me. But that was the greatest compliment I've ever received. And 
the most savage own of Tetsuya Naito ever given to Naito. So it's funnier because the guy who did this also looked almost exactly like Andrade Cien Almas. No, 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 it was the oh, other, no, it was it was the the other, other flight attendant. We had a flight attendant. We had a flight attendant look exactly like Almas. So, it was, so we had so Sean was like, "What? We have two. We have two. <laughs> we have two Los Ingobernables on the, uh, the flight today." But yeah. Um, I don't know why they... Oh, we were talking about t-shirts. That's why that yeah. came up. Okay. Opening match. It was perfectly fine. Um, it, did, it did everything it needed to do. It was my first time seeing the uh, Best Moonsault Ever <laughs> variation of the... Yeah, I didn't even know they did that. I don't watch that much Ring of Honor, but I, I guess they've done that before. Sure. Um, so, interesting, a fun little fact. The only wrestler on this entire card <laughs> I've never nice, seen live, and I swear... I, I kept thinking about, about this. I don't go to... I, like, after he started, I really didn't go to Ring of Honor. And I don't. I've never been to PWG or anything. The only wrestler on this entire card I've never seen live is Scorpio Sky. The only one. I've seen every single other wrestler on this card live, but not Scorpio Sky. So there you go. <laughs> Congratulations to Scorpio Sky, who got pinned by the Rapungi three or by the three K. Can, can I just say I like I like Rapungi three K. I like evil. Can we just please not call our finishers our name? <laughs> Can we have some creativity, please, guys? The 3K. Like, three Look, the 3K is a little less egregious because at least it's not the Rapungi 3K. Yeah. I don't really mind that one, but the evil is really ridiculous. Like, the evil wins with the evil is really ridiculous. And even, like, like Hiromu finishes the time bomb, but at least that's his nickname. It's yeah. not his name. Yeah. So that's but still that. Like, you guys can do better. But I thought this was a perfectly acceptable match. Look, I love Christopher Daniels. He's been one of my favorite indie guys forever. I always enjoy getting the chance to see him. Rocky Romero was really, really over in this match. A lot, oh, yeah. of, a lot of chance, a lot of chance for Rocky. And it was a good, like, high pace opener. Get the crowd into it. I mean, the crowd didn't need much coaching no, to crowd, get into it. The either. crowd, the crowd was into like the fucking New Japan theme song. Like they were like, ah, like so. This you, you they could have like. I don't know. Like, put out a bunch of mannequins, and they would have been like, "Yeah," but it's cool. You want to be jazzed up. Um, I mean, I, that that's like the one advantage that well, not not the only advantage that New Japan has, like over like a WWE, where like because they run here so rarely, like yeah. the fans are so into just like the idea of seeing yeah. New Japan Pro Wrestling that they don't have to. You know, it's not hard to get them up for the fucking show. Like, they're up, you well, know? It's kind of like when Impact would draw those big crowds in the UK, the same yeah. kind of thing. When the UK scene was being built, and not not quite what is it with all the indies you have. Like, Impact yeah. was one of the biggest companies that was going there semi-regularly. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And I think New Japan, like, they, they, if they, if they... I've always said, if Dragon Gate USA had been, like, two or three shows a year, not trying to be a regular promotion, it would still I think it would still be here to this day. If New Japan... Keeps running like you know a handful of shows a year and not like humongous tours that go over, you know yeah. go all over the country. I think they'll keep their specialists and they'll be around a long time. I don't like. I, mean, the I think at some point they're going to have to go to the East Coast or Chicago yeah. or something like that and yeah. mix up where they do the shows. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. That's also relevant for something later on. Um, but yeah, so good opener, except a little bit of sloppiness, especially I like Kazarian, but it was good. Um, no, I, I like that Kazarian worked the knee, the, the slip into it and started. I don't know if he was actually hurt a little bit or not, but he was yeah. selling the knee and doing a bunch of stuff. He made he, he made it work. Uh, match two, David Finley and Juice Robinson defeating Gato or Gato and Hiroki Goto from Chaos. Um, it was Finley pinning Gato with the stunner. I don't know. My God, Kang! <laughs> I want to know how Jr. called this because I, I immediately I laughed. It's like, of course we have to have someone winning with a stunner when Jr. is calling it. Um, but yeah, the match was uh, the match was good. 
It was, it was really short. I think it was under, yeah, it was, yeah. it was under 10 minutes. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was, I think the shortest match of the night, actually. Yeah, um, a bunch I, don't, of, like, I don't really have any strong memories of this, honestly. Yeah, I, I can talk about this one a little bit more. Like, I'm a somewhat casual New Japan fan. I watch big shows when I remember to watch big shows. I did not know Juice Robinson's new gimmick was the flamboyant Juice Robinson, <laughs> so I was kind of surprised when I see when I saw him coming out. Like, Hiroki Goto's lip, got, his mouth got yeah, busted open very early that. in this one, and... He also has, like, the greatest theme in the company, which is saying a lot, because New Japan has a ton of great themes. Yeah, New Japan has his music so is, many. His music is awesome. I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even agree it's the greatest theme, but it's one of the best, and they have a lot of really, like, a lot of really good themes. Um, but yeah, Finley got the pen, which ended up meaning something later on. Uh, of course, Kato did the job, because all he really does. He, I He's mean, laughing all the way to the bank. That's <laughs> true, the rain taker. Um, match three, let's just get right into it. Yeah. Killer Lead Squad, defeating Chucky T and Toriano. Um, by Pinfall, the Killer Bomb on Chuck Taylor. This was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> First of all, Toriano could have been elected fucking mayor of Long Beach. Like, that crowd loved that man so fucking much. For all the fucking shit that Toriano gets from some anti-fun nerds, okay? I'm sp- sp- speaking specifically to some people on this very website. <laughs> anti-fun nerds. The people in this audience adored him, and I have to say, even if you are you you were like convinced yourself that you were completely sick of his act, I never want to see it again. Blah blah blah. When you're seeing it live, it's fucking awesome, and he just like the entire package, you know, it just fucking owns. Uh, Chucky e. T obviously also popular. Um, you know, I'm sure there were PWG fans in attendance and stuff, and they were, you know, he wasn't as popular as Yano, but he the, the crowd definitely got into him even more as the match went on. And Killer Elite Squad, I was down on them um, in the preview I wrote for this show because I really didn't give a shit about any of the matches on the New Japan Cup. But I thought they were great here. Um, they were really good foils for Chucky and Yano, just really good at playing the straight men. And, you know, Archer especially, just the looks he would give to Yano throughout the match. Like, whenever Yano would, like, turn around, he'd be there. He'd just get a look on his face. There's one point where he was, like, teasing he was going to do a dive, and Yano, like jumped basically down so he couldn't do the dive so he had this look on his face like this motherfucker making me get out of the ring and like you know just like rolled his eyes and like put like went over the top rope and out there and then it turned out to be a trap so good for good for Yano and Chucky but yeah I mean this was a really fun match I really um had nothing to complain about here I thought it was awesome I thought this was a really good match I think Chuck Taylor is basically the perfect partner for Toru Yano like Great, this great underdog team. Yeah. All of Yano's nonsense and how beloved Chucky e. T is. And then when he got in there, he killed Archer with a really cool looking pile driver. They did a lot of. I think my favorite Yano spot was when it looked like he was going to go do a dive, hit the ropes, and then go when ch- charged and removed the turnbuckle pad covering. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. This is the kind of match that fits in perfectly on a show like this because it lets you get into comedy, it lets you do something different. There's a great bridge between the second match and where we would go next. I thought it was a lot of fun, and the crowd was just being so into Yano and so into Chucky e. T and so into Lance Archer stampeding around the ring, spitting water and throwing water <laughs> on everyone he could possibly reach. There is this guy in the front row who, when, when like, he's doing the spray, like, normally people get out of the fucking way. He, like, threw both arms out like, in a crucifix pose, and put his face forward as to be like, 
I'm ready, basically. And he spit it right in his fucking face. And then he came back around and did the exact the same people twice. I was like, that's just fucking mean. But yeah, the water spit is awesome. I, don't, I hope he never stops doing that. Uh, I'm sure, like, people, like, germaphobes in the audience must not be really thrilled well, with Look, it. if this is, like, the 80s, 70s or 80s, Bruce Birdie's running in the crowd attempting to, like, attack people, this is mild. This yeah. is okay. We can live with this. Um, all right, so then the next match, before the next match, so it was supposed to be Cody Rhodes and Marty Squirrel against uh, the Girls of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. Um, so everybody comes out. Cody, who is, like, the best insufferable fucking prick asshole in wrestling um it comes out and does this promo about how there's not gonna be match tonight i there's bullet club is fine but what's not fine is new japan's booking and we're not gonna fight each other because we're friends and meanwhile tomatani and tangaloa were like the most over they've probably ever been like the crowd loved these two men and you have all these bullet club fans so, like, they view them as, like, the purest Bullet Club, basically. It's like, you're the... OGBC. They kept chanting OG, and, like, the, the crowd was so into them. And they, to their credit, like, they, the, their charisma, especially Tama, of just fucking standing there and not saying anything and just looking like he could not give less of a shit about whatever Cody is trying to tell him. Like, they have great charisma in this role, this new role of, like, the Bullet Club Switzerland. And the, you know, when Cody's trying to tell... Basically trying to tell him there's not going to be a match. You know, Tonga Loa takes the, ends up taking the mic and saying, you know, we're not going to deprive the people of Long Beach of a match. And on top of that, if we were on any team, it would it sure wouldn't be Team Cody. Which, that was a cool line. And, like, that's that's news. I mean, in this angle. Like, they, they had not, not, not gone as far to say as, you know, they haven't said anything about what, what side they're, you know, the, the Tongan slash OG contingent is on. Other than Chase Owens being a honorary lover. So, I mean, like, they haven't said anything. So for Tangalo to come out and say, like, we definitely wouldn't be Team Cody, you know, that is breaking news. Um, But the pre-match, too, with Cody and Marty doing that yay boo thing forever. I mean, I I don't like Marty Scroll as a serious wrestler, but I've said said this before. As a fucking comedy dipshit, I think he's great. I think that's what he should be doing is being this moron who flaps like a bird and, you know, keeps trying to, you know, prove to Cody how much more popular he is or something. And then early on, right? You want to do the spot early on? Remember, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the boo-boo we can work in. So, so like, um, the Gorilla's Destiny, like, they, they beat up the shit out of Cody yeah. and toss him out of the ring. While they're posing, oh, Marty, I know exactly Marty Scroll comes up behind them and starts going, like, yeah, guys, oh, we got him, yeah. we got him. like... <laughs> I'm celebrating with him forever. Start flapping, and then they turn and look at him like you fucking moron. And they toss him out of the ring too. And then immediately he's back on Cody's side. He just like, jumps into Cody's arms, yeah, and then, Cody. the, then Cody, uh, Marty, and Brandy all hug, and everything's. Yeah. The I, one issue I have with the whole Bullet Club split storyline is that Cody is an idiot. Well, that that's undoubtedly true. Yeah, like. I don't understand his logic, and I mean, I think something we'll talk about later in the context of the main event of this show is that, theoretically, Cody should have no allies. Yeah. Any ally that Cody has is because of something unfortunate that has happened in relation to Kenny Omega's either leadership of the Bullet Club or his courtship of Cody Ibushi. Yeah. Like, Cody should have no friends, except for Brandy and... Because they're married, and she's yeah. his wife, so that makes sense. <laughs> but, like, Marty Skrull has 
immediate gratification issues. He clearly needs to be loved, and so he will glom on to whoever is showing him the most affection and care at the moment. So that happens to be Cody right now, so that's working out. Even Hangman Page, who is, I think, in his corner, is because he's pissed. And even he's pissed off at the whole Omega and Cody getting all yeah. the attention kind of thing. So I don't know how Cody has allies, but Marty Skrull will do for today. I was way more into this match than I expected to be. Yeah, match is fun. Like, I'm a, I really like Tamatonga. I like a lot of his singles stuff. I've always wanted to see him get a bigger role. But this storyline is so over in this building that it's impossible to not get sucked into it. Yeah, the crowd really, really, really love the whole Bullet Club split storyline. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it is interesting. I, like, I don't... Yeah, like, you know, it's a good storyline. I think it's one of the be- one of the better parts of your. It's, it's way video. better than the NWO split storylines. <laughs> Do you? Remember, I was that that was all over that first Thunder. I just I just heard I've watched it. I was, you know where they put it on the network recently, and like it didn't make any fucking sense at first because it's like why are the NWO coming in separate limos? <laughs> why are Hogan and Bischoff in a separate? Like half the people that were in separate limos didn't actually end up NWO Hollywood, on... NWO Wolfpack, and the NWO B team. <laughs> but they didn't end up on the same separate teams. Like they just kept fucking. I don't know. By the time we got from like this was like January '98. By the time we got to the actual split in like April, like the the initial split like didn't make I any sense. I wonder how much money both comp- both WCW and WWF spent during the Attitude Era on limousines. Like <laughs> renting limousines for people to show up at their freaking shows, or stepping out, Vince getting out of a limo, doing the big walk. Like, ah, like I can't imagine what the budget on limos was and on cars to be destroyed because obviously in W Stone Cold destroyed a whole bunch of cars. But WCO, you not to be outdone, had a whole bunch of the Hummer and all this other not a lot of they, vehicular They had the fucking junkyard match where they like blew up a car or something like in a compactor. <laughs> okay, um, I don't know how he got on this, but the match is good. Um, but Cody yeah. won, unfortunately. Yeah, Cody pinned. Um, he pinned Loa with the crossroads, which makes sense because yeah. he's, he's Ta- in... and Tama Tonga tried to make the save, but Brandy grabbed him by the ankle. <laughs> and then my favorite part of the match is he ran over to like a half conscious Marty Scurll on the floor. He's like, "We won! We won! We won!" <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I kind of figured Cody needed to get the. I don't yeah. know if I predicted it or not, but it made sense when Cody got the pin because. He's got the big match with Kenny in two weeks at the yeah. Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. So I completely forgot that was happening with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was in my head kind of wondering, right, when is this going to happen on a New, on a New Japan show? Because uh, it kind of has yeah, to at some point. Oh, I guess it's in they ha- they New Orleans. They have it in New Orleans, yeah. Um, all right. And up next was the eight-man tag team match with Los Ingo Bernables de Japón. Uh, Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, and Naito. John's husband, though. My, my, one of my many husbandos. Let me say, Naito, Taichi... Um, There's no accounting for taste, people. Endo. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And Miyu is my waifu. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of husbands and wives. You're clearly a mask. <laughs> um, the, other, the other team, Roshi Tanahashi, Kushida, Yusuke Taguchi, and Dragon Lee. Um, so it was Naito hitting the Destino on Taguchi, which I, every time I can see Destino live, I'm very happy. So that was cool. You never know, you know, right? An eight-man tag if you're going to get to see yeah. that move. Um, first of all, LIJ was extremely over, like yeah, even more over than I expected them to be. Like it was a bullet club crowd, but they loved them some fucking LIJ too. Um, I mean, Bushi and Hiromu got a big pop. So not, I got like an okay pop. I mean, his team isn't really, um, conducive to big pops, but he did get a good reaction. He came out and then Naito got like an enormous pop. I mean, it was so loud that apparently on commentary, like, um, Milano Collection AT said something like, you know, Japanese charisma is American charisma. 
or like you know basically like it, it, it crosses over oh we forgot to mention his line about Chucky e. T that you read about yeah he said Chucky e. T looks like a Japanese salary man <laughs> what a fucking own by Milano and Chucky I hope Chucky hears about that and like works it into the gimmick or something um, but yeah this match was awesome I don't like it was you know, like, look every single I feel like a broken record when I talk about any LIJ 8 man because they're always great I mean I don't think I've ever seen a bad one um, they, they just, that team just they have so much charisma together they are the best unit in wrestling when it comes to working together as a unit in a match I mean they just they're perfect like that. and, and that's the thing they're a unit at all they're a unit at all times yeah. like and they do stuff that I you don't even see other stables do in spite of the fact that they're together they obviously have that connection but they're just and Hiromu and Dragon Lee getting to see them fight in person was fun continue their long long running courtship with uh, fists <laughs> and kicks that and... There, there were a lot of strike exchanges on the show Oh my, because so the, the crowd I mean the crowd ate, the, ate them up every time so I yeah. get it but yeah the Hiromu and Dragon Lee slap one was probably the best one because it just went on forever <laughs> the crowd was so into it but yeah back to like what I was saying about LIJ being like a, such a cohesive unit I mean it stands out even more in New Japan because like when you look at the other units the only other one that I would call a cohesive unit is Suzuki Goon um, like Chaos is not a cohesive unit at all Chaos is like they don't even know who the fuck is in the unit half the time <laughs> Like, people act like, is Chucky in? Well, no, I don't know. Does he know? Does he know? So no one fucking knows what chaos. Bullet Club is like, you know, there's like five Bullet Clubs. So <laughs> I can't really call that Kohi. No one knows why Kota Ibushi. Like, they were asking, is Kota Ibushi? Kota Ibushi was asking, am I in the Bullet Club? <laughs> in one of these post-show things. So they have no idea. Um, Sekigun is Sekigun. I mean, they're not supposed to be cohesive. And that's basically Taguchi Japan, too. Yeah. Um, I'm not missing any, right? No, that's yeah, it. So, so like, LIJ and Suzuki are the ones that actually feel, like, cohesive units. Like, people... Coincidentally, it's because they just, like, together. monkey stomp people yeah. and, like, throw things and Oh, so, so, like, the at the very start, right, when, um, when Naito teased forever that he was going to just wrestle Tanahashi, which the crowd was so happy about this. And then I, I just remember thinking, like, you guys... Come on! Either Naito's gonna tag out, or someone's gonna attack Tanahashi. And of course, Sonata ran in and attacked Tanahashi. And then, as Naito and Sonata were beating Tanahashi down, someone in the crowd yelled out like "Yamamoto" or something. <laughs> like, please stop in Japanese, or like, you know, please, you know, stop what you're doing. It was so fucking funny. Whoever timed they, they timed it perfectly. So, whoever did that, congrats. I, I butchered it just now, I'm sure. But yeah, it was it was um, whoever yelled that, congratulations. A bunch of fun spots in this. The uh, triple Taguchi Japan submission on Lij, and at one point also I like Tanahashi countering the skull end into a dragon sleeper of his own, calling back to that he used to use the dragon sleeper back yep. in the day, back especially during his U thirty day, U thirty yeah. title days. He always used all the Fujinami moves. That's why. Yeah, no, I mean I thought this it's just, it's just fun. They did the finisher sequences. Like this is the kind of thing that you can always put on a show, even here, even with like. In American crowds usually used to, there's a singles match. And guess what follows a singles <laughs> match? A tag team match. Yeah. Then we'll have six more singles matches. Yeah. But like this is the kind of thing that just because the personalities involved are so big and so over, it also means you get to see everyone. Like Everyone was happy to see Taguchi hit people with his ass. Yeah. Everyone was happy to see Kushida get in and do his thing. Everyone, people happy to see Dragon Lee. Happy to see Tanahashi do what Tanahashi did in the match. Like, it which is almost get, nothing. Yeah, which is basically nothing, but same. <laughs> He's a master at doing absolutely nothing in these six and eight mans, and God bless him. I mean, I'm sure it 
The only thing keeping him going at this point. There's a sling blade. Yeah, he did a sling blade. That's all the only thing I remember him doing. And it takes his cloverleaf and dragon sleeper. You're right. Okay. But but like no like anyway. No no high five. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but this is awesome. I, you know, I, I will never complain about yeah. seeing Lij. I know people are sick of them, but you people can shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have anything good there. I'm just I'm sad. Evil was hurt. Evil is my favorite. Yeah, movie. Evil's awesome, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Um, up next, before the next match, we have Rey Mysterio Jr. coming out to address the crowd. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a surprise, right? Like, yeah, no, uh, that was not announced. I don't. Think. Yeah, they did not announce that Mysterio was still showing up. So, um, I mean, they might have because we missed. Yeah, yeah. We both missed the the time change in the yeah. end. But yeah, Melts apparently made put that scoop on Twitter. But I had no reception in Pyramid, which is why I didn't live tweet this show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I had good perce- I had good reception at the start of the show, but it got like progressively worse. Like I tried to tweet out the. A picture of the, like the two crowd, like the two sides of the building, pretty full, but it never worked. Um, but yeah, so that was good. And then, um, so Mysterio, big surprise, Mysterio came out and addressed the crowd, and he basically said, you know, he wants to apologize for not being able to wrestle. Which no one in that crowd is gonna be like, "Fuck you, Ray, wrestle with a tore bicep." So no, the crowd, the crowd ate it up. Um, he said he does want to wrestle in New Japan still, which is cool, you know, because there was some speculation that he's gonna go sign with WWE. Um, but yeah, so he basically said, well, I'll be back as soon as I'm ready. Talk about the start of Osprey Liger, because i got to blow my nose. Okay. I really enjoyed this match. I don't know if John enjoyed it as much as I did, but it kind of felt like they went into this match under the assumption, okay, this was supposed to be Mysterio and Liger. It was supposed to be this dream match. And so now Osprey's in it. He's the junior champion, so we have to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? All right, Liger, just go... You just drop me on my head on the entry ramp for like two minutes into the match. And that's basically exactly what happened. So Light like Liger gets in his Liger stuff early, his Rita Romero special, the surfboard, like all that, and then they fight out like into under the rampway and Liger drops him with Brain Buster on the rampway. Osprey questionably beats the count and gives everyone a chance to hear nineteen, which everyone loves, of course. No, that was look. Well, Osprey lost his match from Count Out. I mean, like, that pause between 19 and 20 was so fucking Even long. by New Japan standards. Yeah, like, I don't know. I forget if who was the ref. It was Marty Asami or somebody else. But, like, basically, someone said, chant, like, you screwed Liger chant or something. Because Liger should have won this match by Count Out and got a junior heavyweight title shot, damn it. But, I liked this match a lot. Osprey sold the leg a lot and, like, was able to do a lot of his... Well, I thought shit, he was like, really. Well, I thought he was. He really might have been really hurt. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But it's even more impressive if he's actually hurt and able to do a lot of the stuff he did on one leg. It kept him from doing anything too stupid, too. Probably. So I don't. I mean, I'd like this match too. I, I'd probably go like three and three quarters. I, it was good. Yeah, that's probably a, that's probably about where I would put it too. Liger yeah. hit the super brain buster, which I'd never seen him do live. That was cool. Osprey saved the foot of the rope. Oscutter finishes it for Osprey, and then uh, in the post match, Osprey gets the mic. Basically calls out Rey Mysterio ringside, makes the challenge, and while that's going on, uh, John's favorite flapping villain comes back out, attacks Osprey with the umbrella, unmasks Rey Mysterio, that gets huge heat, and then Liger comes back in to make the save. So, so it sounds some... like yeah, Liger probably Liger versus yeah, Liger Os- called out us. Liger called out Skrull. Oh, so, so Liger versus Skrull and Rey versus Osprey. Yeah, I think Osprey. They're probably setting up Osprey Skrull for some in the, in the immediate like future they can, time horizon. They can take it far away from me. Don't give a shit about that match. Um, I don't know. I really like Skrull's aesthetic with the Plague Doctor mask and it's like so try hard though. It, like, I to think me, that's what like, I like about it's it. Like, to though. me, it's like he feels like he should be posting on 4chan. 
I don't know. Um, like, that could be the gimmick, actually. That could be the gimmick. Um, but yeah, this was good. It was a good match. Yeah, no, Will, like, Will didn't do anything too stupid. And, and Liger... Li- How the fuck is Liger doing all this shit at 53 years old? That's always been my biggest question. Like, what the fuck is he... Like, like are we sure he's not dead and there's not another Jewish Liger? Like, and, like, remember, this is the guy who, like, is doing shooting star presses. His ability to adapt... He has a bunch of stuff now that he knows is over. He knows exactly when and how to place it for maximum effect. Yeah. Like, he's no, he's one of those that stereotypical knows more about wrestling. He's forgotten more, should I say, about wrestling than some people will ever know. You know, I tried to... The other day, I, like, gave Nicole that line, my, my girlfriend, and, like, she basically tried to tell me I made that up. And I was like, no, I've heard that a million times. That, you know, that yeah. blah, 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 has forgotten more than blah, 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 that we'll ever know. And she's like, is this a wrestling-specific thing? No. And I was like, I don't think it is. I just think you, for some reason, no, you don't know this line. But, yeah, she got very angry at me for using that line. But because she's so used to all the the wrestling specific stuff, like oh, yeah. she's oh. like, "What's a pop? Why are you saying something has heat?" Why the worst saying... part is now that she'll know it, it. Like once you learn the lingo, you start yeah. applying it to everyday life. Oh, she hasn't. Bad. That's probably the best. <laughs> over, well, well, over, well, over is the one that annoys her the well, most. Well, re- yeah, wrestling is something she probably accepts grudgingly in her life, yeah. but as a baggage that comes with you. Yeah, I'm sure that is. Along with like the weave stuff and everything else about continuing me. burial of John <laughs> on his own podcast. Um, the next match was Suzuki Goon against Chaos. Um, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, submission. They, this I'm using cage side seats for this, and their exact quote, like just for the results to remind to refresh my memory, their exact quote is something wacky from Sabre on Ishii. Was hey, it the cage side, with It was Napalm the fucking Depp? orienteering from Napalm Depth, the move he's won with. For like all, the last fucking month in the Japan Cup, get together, Kate Side. What are you doing? I don't know the fucking finisher that he's used to I win love, like the last five matches. I love this match. This yeah, match this was so awesome. Good. I, I, I was thinking about like a star rating. I'd probably go like four and a quarter. I'd go four, four and a quarter. This was, was great because it was it's like awesome. okay, we have the two title challengers, and they like right, we need tag. No, Ishii's not a challenger. No, no, no. But like uh, I'm talking about like so you have Saber and Okada, and they're like yeah. okay, we need partners for this match. Let's go find the meanest men we can possibly find that we're on good terms with. Yeah. So Saber goes and gets Minoru Suzuki. Who, by the way, was so over. Like, I hearing that many people in America <laughs> scream, Kaze ni narer, and, like, that was amazing. It's moment. my first time that seeing Suzuki so... live, so getting together oh, that, that was really Yeah, that was cool. Because I saw him in Noah in 2016, and I saw him again during the G1, obviously. But He's much he was more. Japan, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's a, the understatement of the century from Sean Williams here. No, like, he was more over in this fucking building than he was in Rio Goku. Like, the crowd was so fucking into him. I just, I just think it's because, like, there is nothing. Like, there is no equivalent to Minoru Suzuki in American professional wrestling. He is kind of what WWE wishes Brock Lesnar would be. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, he's this, he's this grumpy veteran. He's a, he used to be a shooter. He does his fuck like I I'm not doing him justice because he is he is Minoru Suzuki. There's only one Minoru Suzuki, and his renaissance over the last like six months after like I was fucking sick of him by last summer, and I was sick of his fucking never title reign and and the run-ins. It's really just the fact that they they really cut the fucking shit way back with the run-ins with Suzuki Goon, and pretty much since the moment they started doing that, Suzuki Goon as a whole has been, like, one of my favorite units in, in New Japan. It's, like, probably right behind L.I.J. You will not be surprised to know that Ishii and uh, Suzuki beat the holy fuck out of each other on numerous occasions in this match. There were some of those fucking... Some of those elbows were just ridiculous. And the I mean, crowd's, like, shushing everyone so we can just hear them beat the piss out of each other. Like, yeah. some of that was alarming. 
<laughs> I like the Saber Okada exchanges. I'm maybe the one person in the world who really wishes Zack Saber Jr. would take the fucking title off of Okada. I mean, from would, an in kayfabe standpoint, he's the perfect yeah. guy to do it. I am okay with whatever result happens, except one. <laughs> if Okada beats the fucking best submission wrestler in KB on the planet with his shitty fucking Cobra Clutch, I'm like not watching New Japan for two months because that move sucks. Yeah. His Cobra Clutch is basically equivalent of Cena's STF. It's bad. Yeah. And he just keeps beating people with it. And it looks so I'm bad hoping that every keep, time. I'm hoping what it's setting up is just to give him a submission that he could reasonably win with. Why didn't he just make the beat people with the red ink from? He tapped Yano with it in like a G1 once. Yeah. But like the... I, that was probably just because Yano wanted to hate the Rainmaker. <laughs> but no, I mean like... Um, but yeah, I mean like the... I think it's just set up like... Ultimately, that's what I think it is. Just set up a you know like a, a submission that can reasonably win with to build yeah. drama. I don't think he's gonna actually win with it. I think he's gonna hit the rainmaker and win. But you never know. I guess it'd be pretty stupid if he won with it. I agree. But yeah, their but, exchanges here were cool. Yeah. Watching watching Saber is just like watching no one else. Just how smooth he is. How he's able to turn things into other things and the submissions that he has. There's really nothing like him. And so it's kind of cool seeing him team with Suzuki because they're basically oh. two one-offs yeah, in recent. the wrestling scene today for yeah. the most part. And they're like, they're, the tag team submission stuff they did was really cool. Oh, that was so cool. At one point where they just kept putting on different holds. On, it was on Okada, right? Oh, Ishii. Poor oh, Ishii. Ishii, okay. And like they just kept putting on these all these fucking holds on Ishii and like moving from one limb to the next. It was pretty incredible. I mean, Saber's very hit or miss for me. Um, I think, you know, in the New Japan Cup, he, he had a couple matches that were I thought were not, you know... As great as I would expect for that quality of opponent like Ibushi and Naito, um, I thought he turned he turned around with the Sonata match, and then the Tanahashi match was awesome. I think I like four and a quarter on it. But I mean, Saber sometimes his stuff can be very masturbatory, in my opinion. Like just feel like submissions for the sake of submissions. But here it built and it built well in the tag in this tag match because it felt like he was he was torturing Okada with a purpose, and you know, you know, really like building that orienteering from Napalm Death. That building that move up as you know a possible move that's gonna probably get a really good reaction in Ryu Goku next week at Sakura Genesis because I th- I think the crowd will buy the idea that he could tap out Okada he tapped out everybody he tapped like everybody like, yeah which is you know and people it's... people were making fun of this idea that this, that was great booking on Twitter and like I don't I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. it's like these people who who are so convinced that like modern WWE booking is like the the peak of the human condition. And it's like, well, we need to John's have. Why, why don't we have, um, you know, if he's not trading wins back and forth for the next last like three years, then he must. It's, I don't know what's going on. This isn't booking. The thing to me, but, I mean, Gator's booking is overhyped a, a, a little bit. I will definitely agree with that. And there's some decisions he's made that I wouldn't agree with. But like to even compare him to modern WWE booking, modern WWE booking is the fucking dirt fucking worst. They took the best roster on the planet last year and turned it into fucking shit. So these people, like, they're at the lunch. As John steps down from his soapbox, one thing I'll say about Saber. The thing about him that's interesting to me is he seems like such a good, genuine person, like, normally outside of the context of the ring. But in wrestling, he's just this gigantic prick. Like, just the way he carries himself, the fact that he's, like, better at submission wrestling... Just, it's an element of his character that I've seen. Like, the first time I ever saw him was when he was in Radio Volodoris and promised to become King of the Flippies with an armbar. Just, like, he has that, like, prickish kind of charisma that made him a perfect fit for Suzuki-gun. 
I'm really looking forward to the Okada match. I really want him to win. I know it's not going to happen, but I think it has potential to be a really good, really different kind of match. Okay. I think this was a very this was a very good setup. I also want the Ishii Suzuki match for the Intercontinental title, but I don't think we're no, getting that. No, because Suzuki no. Naito is a big thing right now. And it, that was the one weird thing on the show is that Suzuki Naito had like these crazy exchanges all throughout the second half of the New Japan Cup tour, and that was like so over, and it was awesome, and it just it was nowhere to be found here because they were why, separate why does, matches. Does Naito even want that belt? No, but but Suzuki wants to fight Naito, so. Um, well, maybe, I guess, it, maybe if the belt's a mascus, it might be in for more abuse. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really, I mean, that is good. I mean, that could end up being like, you know, the match of the year. If that, I mean, the, their exchanges between Suzuki and Naito on the on the New Japan Cup tour were so awesome. They're both like at the top of their game. I think, you know, the only thing that might hurt it, you know, um, is that I think they're going to hold it off for Dontaku, which isn't exactly like a, you know, a, a big, like, building full of, like, passionate fans or anything. So, I don't know. We'll say. Um, all right. Up next, we have the semi-main event. Uh, Jay White defeating Hangman Page with the Blade Runner to retain the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight title. I, it sounded like that American announcer announced Jay White as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I mean, maybe I just didn't hear him say U.S., but uh, that'd be a pretty funny little gaffe if he didn't say that. Um, so this match is going to be very polarizing, I think. Um, you know, I get that a lot of people aren't into Jay White. I saw one person compare him to Jinder as WWE Champion. Like, oh, he might be worse in this role than Jinder as WWE Champion. When, like, Jinder was, like, what, the number two champion in the company, and Jay White is, like realistically at best number three and you know I, I don't know and Jay White's nowhere near as bad as Jinder Mahal but I'm, I'm taking it to Twitter here I don't know what I'm doing right now <laughs> Jay White over Hangman um, I thought Jay White was perfectly fine here and the stuff that he still puts into the into the match um, that you know the way he puts his character in he does subtle he does really subtle shit that I think can be hard to spot if you're not looking for it the big thing at the start of the match to me in a, on a show where every single other fucking wrestler had a like a, a strike exchange thing, he would chop Hangman and he would fucking dodge yeah. every time Hangman tried to chop him. And that's like a really important little character trait. He is not a big, brave, fighting spirit dude. He is a fucking little prick who's trying to find the easiest way to win, and he wins by the goddamn skin of his teeth, which he did again in the finish, where... But you know, he plans. He comes yeah. into the match with a plan. He knows what he wants to do. He has no desire to sit there and be some strong style bullshit. Yeah. He's the champion, and he's a little shit stirred. And like he know he psychologically gets advantages over people, which is interesting because no one else in the company. Yeah, and all this shit that. where people say like, "Well, well how is this guy uh, wrestling to his character?" Jay White wrestles to his character. If you don't think it's enjoyable, I guess that's your call. But it's di- it's something different compared to the rest. I wouldn't want him as IWGP Heavyweight Champion right now either. But as this fucking U.S. weird red belt, I think he's perfectly fine in the role. Um, the match itself, the first half was very, like, disjointed. And, you know, there was a little bit of that, like, you know, I do a move, you do a move. And it was kind of... There was one time where, like, Hangman Page was trying to do, like, a springboard. And clearly they were not on the same page. And it, it uh, no pun intended. And, like, it just didn't work. But after like the after that halfway point, it was I thought the rest of it was great, and like some of the spots they did were like really sick. So I think you need to give some consideration to that. Like the moves they did 
were like that top rope neck breaker. Yeah. The German on the apron. Like they really like killed themselves to make this a good match. Paige looked awesome. Which, I mean, I'm ready to like just turn the corner on him and just call him a good wrestler at this point because he was great here, I thought. And, you know, Jay White did his best to keep up with him and he, I thought he did a good, pretty good job. Um, and I liked the finish a lot because, again, it was just like the Kenny Omega match. He was getting his ass kicked at the end. Paige had all the momentum. He was hitting move to move. He set him up for the right to patches to finish him off. And Jay White fucking slips out like the little snake he is, hits the goddamn Blade Runner out of nowhere. One, two, three. I thought that was an awesome finish. Um, I really like. I thought I, I would go four flat on this match. I thought the the it was a little too disjointed, and there was too many blown spots for me to go higher. But like, it told a story, it built, and the spots were crazy. So I, I can't see going low with a four. I thought this match was really interesting because I think they figured out. And look, there were a bunch of people in the crowd you could see that were getting up to go to the bathroom at the start of this. I mean, it's the one match between two like non-natives, I guess you could say, yeah. on the card. <laughs> and so I think there are a lot of people who at least were going to use the start of it to go to the bathroom or whatever. And so they just beat the shit out of no, each other. There's no intermission. Yeah. yeah. There's no intermission. We should add that. There was no intermission in the show. They just beat the shit out of each other. So I think they knew that they might have a bit of a battle against them. Yeah. The beginning was a little slow. I think the crowd took time to get into this, but I think they did a great job of building, using the crazy spots, like you said, and People got into it. Like, by the end of this match, there were crazy chance for Hangman. Like, yeah. I agree with what you said. Hangman Page got super over in this match. Because he took a shitload of abuse from Jay White. It was like, Jay just dropped him on his neck. Which is funny, the Hangman... Like, <laughs> Jay was working the neck of the Hangman the entire match. So that was yeah. kind of ironic. Just all this crazy shit. And then when he got in that offensive flurry at the end, everyone was really like... I thought they might switch the title. Which yeah. was impressive. Because going into this, I thought, there's no, no way. Yeah. As much as I hate the Blade Runner as a move, the way he hit it here, sliding down out of the backdrop tombstone attempt, it's a quick, no bullshit done. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it works go, for it works for him. Yeah, I would go probably four, four and a quarter on this. It's a match I'm gonna want to rewatch just because just to see because the way it builds and they gave it all, they gave them all the time they needed to do this, which was cool because what you said earlier I think is true. <laughs> This isn't a match that would probably get this prominent of a spot on a car on a New Japan card in Japan. Yeah. But they let them go, and they let the fact that Jay White has the credibility from beating Omega sort of help bring up Hangman Page too. I think this was a star-making performance for Hangman Page. I think he'll be able to do a lot more in the company, and given the way the Bullet Club storyline is going, what he decides to do is going to be more important now because he had a match like this and now his stock in the company is higher. Yeah, so I thought he was awesome. Um, can't say enough good things about the woke rope man. Um, he's a cool dude. But yeah, it was a cool match. Um, I really liked it by the end. And I think the Jay White haters need to take a step back. Hey, fucking gender. Switch gender. Gender Mahal, who, by the way, is the best of the three people in that triple threat. I've heard this like 75 <laughs> times this weekend, by the way. <laughs> 75 times at least. But I think gender still not, still nowhere near as bad. Today. I'm really liking the character, like the press conference, or the stuff Switchblade's doing, the little subtle shit. He just can't resist stirring the pot everywhere he goes. I think he could potentially be a hugely important piece for New Japan in a lot of really subtle ways with their storytelling if they're willing to use him that way. So yeah. we'll see. So then obviously the post match was David Finley coming out and spearing Jay White. Um, 
He's not going to stop fighting him, and he challenged him for the title April 24th. So it's okay. Finley might actually win this because he's not American, so no Americans. I <laughs> no, don't... he's American. Oh, he is American. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's he... an Irish. I mean, he was born in there. I don't, I, oh, yeah. I don't know. I think you yeah. call him. No, I guess they, you know, I guess qualify. But that means he can't win the title. That means he can't win the title. Yeah. I can't have any Americans winning this U.S. belt. Yeah. Um, all right. Then we get into the main event. The Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, taking on the Young Bucks, Mick and Matt Jackson. We end up with the golden trigger on Matt. They both kind of just pile on top of him for the pinfall. It's like, talk about golden lovers. It's like a, <laughs> a love pile, I guess. But, um, all right, first of all, obviously both teams were ex- incredibly over, as you would expect. I don't think I've ever heard anything as loud as the pop for the golden lovers yeah. live. Especially in the comics, that's 5,000 people, small belt. Just, yeah. It was insane. Like the crowd was very into the golden lovers. Um. As far as, like, the actual match. So, okay, early on. Early on in the match, they, 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 they had a very clear story they are going to tell, yeah. which was Kenny Omega did not want to fight the Young Bucks. Kota Bushi was trying to get him into it, and just, you know, it was a struggle, and Kenny would you know, stop at points and just not be willing to do it. Nick didn't really want to fight them either. Matt Omega, re- Omega was recovering from an injury before this match, right? Was he on the, yeah. was he on the tour before this? No, he wasn't on, he wasn't on the yeah. Japan Cup tour. Okay. Um, I think just... that's important. I'll talk about that. Why I think so later. But okay. keep, keep going. Sorry. So the the match kind of like um, you know it basically starts out with Kenny not really wanting to fight. They had a long like you know like discussion basically in the in the ring, which killed some more time. Oh, so right before this match, we, we found out like I guess hours beforehand, Meltzer broke in the news. Like this had originally been listed on the New Japan website as a thirty minute time limit, which is pretty standard for a yeah. non title. Match in New Japan is either 20 or 30 usually. And I guess at some point they went to them and said, uh, we want to go over 30, buddy. <laughs> so they so Meltzer tweeted out that it got moved to a 60-minute time limit. Um, so I look kind, like, of, kind of a big deal because yeah. they don't do that. I kind of look like a fucking idiot because I tweeted that. Like, I saw all these people saying, like, oh, we still got a 45-minute match here. I don't, they didn't go that long, right? They, were like 30 they went about, like, 45. I like, 40-ish, I, I think. think. They went, I thought they went under 40. I think it's pretty close to 40. Yeah, well, either way. Because we had like, Quinlan here we, with his stopwatch, you would tell us. Because I don't remember hearing, you know, uh, Yonju. Uh, well, I think they stopped They stopped calling after 30. No, no, they, no, they called they, they call 35. Did they do 35? I heard, I heard them call 35. So it's, it's somewhere between 35 and 40. Anyway, the point is, though, that when people were tweeting out this stuff about um, how they are going to go 45, I was, I was like, what's wrong with you idiots? It's just a 30-minute time limit. And then, pe- I like, five people reply, like, no, they moved it, John. I was like, oh. Um, but yeah, it was a so the early on the match it was weirdly sloppy, um, like very early on. Kota Ibushi blew like a couple spots, which is really a character for him. I don't know if it was was he like nervous working in front of an American crowd that big. Maybe I don't know what it was. I, was he jet lagged? Who the fuck knows? There's part of me that wonders if some of it was on purpose. Oh, it's possible. Like just because the way the kind of. The initial golden triangle botch didn't, like, set my alarm off. But then that thing where he improvised that moonsault thing over to that part looked planned. Like, something yeah. looked, like, I don't think, like, I think it was meant to look botched. There might have been something botched in there. But to me, that just sort of accentuated the fact that the Young Bucks have been able to work, have been working together over the past, like, whatever many years it is. Mm. Constantly. 
Omega and Ibushi are just back together. Omega wasn't able to work the previous tour. So they're sort of still re-gelling as a unit. I mean, so as long as it's two-on-two, the Bucks theoretically have the advantage. I mean, if that's what they're going for, then that was amazing. But I mean, I'm I assuming know. it was like a bot. I, mean, I think that was generally the story of the match. I don't know if those bots played into it or whatever, but I think it worked because of the overall context. But after that weirdness, I thought everything like after like the 15-minute mark, I guess, was really good. Um, incredible, actually. Uh, they, you know, they obviously with these two teams, they did every move under the sun. I remember you said when the, before the match started, it's like any moves we haven't seen yet, we're going to see them in this match. Um, and, but but like it still had like a story yeah. to it, like and it wasn't the the shitty young bucks like Ring of Honor stuff where like you know it just feels like okay, how many fucking different ways can we do a flip in the next twenty minutes? And they, you know, had a real story. It built from start to finish with this with a story about Kenny not really wanting to fight them. And I like that the Bucks there was conf- conflict within the yeah. Bucks even about as the match went on. Like Kenny was the most obviously conflicted, but Nick was really conflicted. Yeah. Nick tried to stop Matt from taking out a table, but then later on, I he was like just so like fed up and like angry at being in this match. He like grabbed him and was like, "Yeah, do it. Let's do it." And wanted to put him through the table. Um, and the, the table spot was awesome because I had no idea that was coming. So he set this table up. And they take forever to get like they yeah. they keep teasing all this yeah. stuff. Like Kenny cheese the one week. Kenny cheese the one week. Angel on Matt's throat, which I'm like, he, you'd fucking kill him. <laughs> I was like, please don't do that. So like, I've never been happier to see a man escape a move. But yeah, um, at, at one point they. But, go but to, then there was but then Ibushi German suplexed him from a second rope yeah, back into the ring, and was, he not from the second rope from Matt Soldier. Oh, from, yeah, from, from, from yeah. like that was even worse than the one he usually does. And Matt like landed like he was like he was fucking killed basically. But then so then they put through they they go to do more bang for your buck, which is obviously a movie yeah. I'm sure everybody listening to this has seen like a trillion times. So you're not expecting when Matt goes up to the top to do the last moonsault yeah. instead to just fucking do a fucking elbow. That was an awesome elbow, by the way. It was an awesome elbow on Kenny to the outside and stand through the table. So that was an all-time great spot. I had no idea it was coming. Usually table spots, you can you have some yeah. idea it's coming. It just fucking, boom, happened. Um, so that was incredible. And, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it was, the match is kind of a bore in my head right now. I feel like I need to go back and rewatch it. But, like, just it was just every, every move you could think of, they did. But not in a bad way. Yeah. And like, you know, when at one point when Kenny did the gun pose, yeah. he, he does go see the gun pose to whichever down buck it is. I don't, I, I can't keep track of which buck was getting killed when. Because and, their, their convenient name belts were off. <laughs> and he like, he threatens to, he's want, about to do, pull the trigger on this proverbial gun, and can't bring himself to do it. And then the bucks recover, and Coda. Like, at that point, drags Kenny back into the ring, drags his arm out into the gun pose again. He's like, do it! Fucking shoot him! And then he, and then Kenny finally does the gun pose, runs over, and, and kills him with the V-trigger. So that was a great moment. And then the, the one-winged angel was incredible, too. Because he goes to put him up. You can tell yeah, he, so he lifts him up on his shoulders, yeah. and he's just conflicted. And then it's like... The Shawn Michaels Undertaker thing, where the Buck grabs his arm, puts it on, puts it around his neck to hold move, just do it. Yeah. And his, at this, I should say, at this point, he's kicked out of like a whole bunch of shit at this point yeah. because his partner got let. Because he was Nick. They, Nick they're going for the they were going for the Meltzer driver, and Ibushi caught him on the ring apron and just last righted him through a table at ringside. So <laughs> that was incredible. So it was two on one. The Gold Lover just beating the shit out of this this poor Buck for like five minutes. 
And the one we an angel, and it looks like that's it, but then the book rises from the edge of the table, like, perfect. You didn't it was see Nick. him coming. It was yet. Nick that came yeah. out of the table. Yeah, so that. Nick is yeah. at zero. You don't see him. <laughs> He's in the ring at 2.9 like, and makes the save. Just, yeah. And then he just sort of, like, has his last... Yeah, but what you, but the, the one-winged angel, though, like, he actually, like like you said, he put yeah, his arm on his throat and, like, and basically made him give yeah. him the throne of the angel. That was such an awesome fucking moment. And he didn't know that his yeah. brother would be there same because yeah. he thought his brother was still he, out. He basically was like, put me out of my misery, do it, just fucking do it. It was, oh, it was great. And then Nick comes in and just goes with whatever he's got left, and it's just not much, and then they beat him up, and then Matt's just already dead. So then they just kill him further with multiple different with multiple different ways. At some point, they also hit their own version of like the indie taker. Yeah, that, that was awesome. And it just it was like, but but he he wasn't actually a tombstone. Yeah. It was more like a I don't know his name, like an emerald frozen. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because yeah. he had him like off to the side. But yeah, it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> it was it was basically everything you would expect from that match in front of the crowd that came to see them have that kind of match yeah i mean it was incredible um the spots are incredible the story was incredible when you have both you know that's where you have an incredible pro wrestling match so i mean i think they're probably going to be a little upset at some of the things that made because these guys are perfectionists but i think they crafted something that i don't think any other promotion on the world would let them tell they're in the main event of this show in front of five thousand people they had around 40 minutes to tell their story and like the first 10 like i remember hearing uh, 15 minutes and i'm like what have they done like there yeah. wasn't much happen- like it was five the five minute call came when kenny omega is just arguing with just, them basically he's just upset he's yeah. so upset and you can just see it on the eight like ibushi's ready to fight because yeah. like ibushi's like eh, i don't give a shit about these guys <laughs> it was just like who gives a shit about the young bucks yeah, about come on kenny let's do this cover yeah. lovers right but my friends <laughs> I love I have lots of love I love yes. them too it, but, yeah. it was I love Kenny's new tights by the way yeah. and it's, new... it's like a little bit of all of his personas. it has the green from his like original stuff yeah. and it's the black and the bulk of it's the new the golden lovers insignia on it yeah and like the now people point this out too at the Ring of Honor shows but like he's no longer the cleaner he's now the best bout machine which is great a great little he you know, just thing looks so it. happy to be the bouncing baby face. Yeah, man. I think I don't like. I granted, I love him as like the final RPG Voss melodramatic villain nonsense too. But it seems like he's just so happy doing this that it's it's impossible not to get behind them. Yeah. So, really good match. Um, I would go four and three quarters. I think that's what I came down to. I was really waff- waffling between four and a half and four and three quarters, but. I knew I wasn't gonna go five because I think the stuff early on, just I you know I'm I'm assuming they're botches. And I can't give a match five stars when they have botches early on, but four and three quarters I, I definitely I would go four and three quarters too. Yeah. I wouldn't quibble with anyone who gave it five, especially yeah. not anyone who is there live. It's just, it it's one of the craziest spectacles that I've ever seen. I've been watching and it, wrestling and it had a story. Yeah. Like I don't want to watch. People do fucking... I think at this point in my life, I do not want to watch spots for the sake of spots. But it had a fucking story that built from beginning to end. 
Yeah. By the time Kenny and Coda finally just killed that buck with that, golden you know, trigger. with with the Golden Star trigger, it was perfect timing. You were ready for it, and it felt like it was ready to put him out of his misery. It didn't feel like the match. It went thirty eight minutes or whatever. It did yeah. not feel like it went too yeah. long. And I mean, I know we've I've been we've been talking mostly about the Golden Lovers, but this is the best Young Bucks performance that I've ever seen. I mean, like, they've been great. I thought I thought they both did a great job. They walked out in their entrance super serious. They were just yeah. like. This you could see what this meant. We're not, we're they not, we're wanted not, this match so bad. We're not dancing, basically. They were Look, not. They wanted this match <laughs> so badly, and they came out there. And, they, and I thought it was a great way to do the contrast to let. And look, they were still super over. There's a lot of people cheering for them, but it was. Yeah. I would say the Golden Lovers were the faces ish. If you had to pick one team, yeah. as the baby faces in that match, and then. That bit where I said Cody is not very good at this planning thing, like like not good at making friends, comes out in the post match screaming at the Bucks after putting on this match, pushes uh, pushes I think he put he pushed, pushed the same one that that Ken, no no, no it was, no, it was the, the opposite one? it was oh. neck I think okay so I thought it was the symmetry in that yeah. I thought it was the same one I thought it was neck maybe you're right but I thought I could have yeah. that. Well, I think you're right but why the fuck would he come down and like berate these two people that are his last chance at allies basically other than yeah. scroll and maybe hangman yeah it was really stupid about his part I don't, I don't know but but his character is a fucking idiot his character like you're saying his character is not is not a planner he's a fucking he thinks he's a diabolical villain when in actuality he's just like this fucking crazy person but um but yeah so he he berates them Golden Lovers come back down the ring and run him off. Um, you know, Kenny offers a handshake. Nick takes it. Yeah. Matt doesn't. And that's the split. If you've been watching, like, Being the Elite and stuff, which I, I had I had never watched that show until this Bullet Club split angle started. But it's been awesome since the Bullet Club split angle started. And the entire thing has been very clear. Nick wants to believe Kenny, wants to forgive Kenny, wants to be Kenny's friend still. Matt is fucking pissed at Kenny. And that is like the divide, and they, it, it, you know, played out again here. And I, I really am starting to think they're gonna build to Nick versus Matt and all in. Like, I think that's what's gonna. I think that's gonna be one of like the big matches. Which, I could definitely see that. Yeah, which would be a big fucking match. <laughs> I mean, you can't really say it wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, so they after that they leave. Ken, Kenny cuts a really like a cool little post match promo. He basically says, you know, we're gonna have to come back now to an even bigger building. Gonna do even bigger matches there. Um, you know, and then he says he's gonna kick the poop out of Cody Rhodes, got a poop which got a poop chant, which was great, and that was it. Um, okay, so before we give our final thoughts on the show, they also announced Saturday, July seventh, yep. for the Cow Palace in San Francisco. As many people speculated, I am gonna be in Los Angeles on Saturday, July seventh, to go to some little something called Anime Expo, which is already booked, and I already have my tickets. I can't really get out of that. Um, I am scared shitless that in that building of that size for the G1 special um, that they're going to run Kenny versus Coda, which is a, a match that I originally had heard might have been for this show, and that's when I started planning to come here. Not that I regret coming at all, because I thought the main event was awesome and it was a good show, but I really want to see that match live. So I don't. I think at this point they're going to run the Golden Lovers as a thing. Yeah, I mean, I hope. I hope so. I don't. Want, I don't want to feel like I missed out on it. Um, I guess I could technically go from LA to San Fran. It would involve like <laughs> no, it would involve like an hour flight. I get. I was talking to a friend of mine about it before, and she was like, "Yeah, it's an hour flight." So I could do it. It'd just be basically I'd be burning a day of Anime yeah. Expo. So I don't know if I want to do that because you know I want to go to Anime Expo, but 
So right now I'm probably not going to do it, but if they announce Kenny versus Coda, I would probably try to scramble and find a way to do it. Um, but yeah, so that's the next American show. They didn't, Okay, well, they didn't say fucking shit about this show that's supposedly happening in Florida as part of that CEO um, uh, video game tournament. I think that's going to be in like May or something. I don't know. People, people know more about fighting games can tell you. They, New Japan's not said anything about that. So it's very weird to me. Like, I don't know if that's only going to be, like, a few matches or something. It's something a deal Kenny made. It's going to be, like, a little formats thing or something. But they did not say shit about that on this show. All they said was July 7th, Cow Palace, um, which is which is cool. I mean, it's, it's cool. good that they're running a bigger building. They definitely – I'd be surprised at this point they didn't sell it out. I mean, they're probably going to need a bigger – another really big match and maybe a bigger card overall. But, like – they sold 5,000 tickets in 15 minutes. Like, Well, I mean, I think the question is it's going to depend because they sold 5,000 tickets basically set and seen. And I think some people might have assumed they would get more like what the G1 special was. Mm. So now it'll be interesting to see what the next one is. But I imagine they'll be able to load this. I imagine that if Ray's healthy, Ray Osprey would be on that. There's yeah. a bunch of other stuff they could do to load that show. I mean, I didn't really hear anyone grumbling. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Is, I mean, like, people seem pretty satisfied yeah. leaving the show, so Because I don't it's know. like, the format that New Japan has, the advantage is that all the wrestlers are over enough that getting to see them is the draw, even if it's yeah. in a tag match. Even if it's like, and what they, they're smart enough to make sure things like, Naito gets a separate entrance. Naito uh, wins the Destino. People get to see the Destino. Yeah, but like the people. So so basically, though, like I, I talked to I talked to people. I heard people talking outside. I talked yeah. to someone who's staying in the same hotel complex. I mean, I didn't even hear anybody. Everybody was like, "Yeah, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. That was really great. That was awesome." So I, I haven't heard anybody complaining who was here. So if anyone thought it sucked, they were keeping it to themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a great time. I, I mean, don't... And I don't know how it comes across on TV, but just the energy in the building live was part of what made it so much fun. Yeah, the cr- like I, I kept trying to say, the crowd, the crowd was really into the idea of seeing New Japan Pro Wrestling. The idea of seeing New Japan is super over with a certain like hardcore fan at this point, and I don't know if New Japan has to do anything to keep that over. I think more than anything, you know, WWE's like lack of quality is helping that along too because people are always going to seek out an alternative when they're not happy with the primary company i mean even even when the primary company is good people there's always gonna be people who want an alternative but just the fact that they had such a shitty year last year i think has really you know helped leave that opening and obviously impact you know it's not really in that position anymore not that they have been in a while. And I, mean, and I think the company's doing a good job of following up on whatever bump in the U.S. they may have gotten from Alpha versus Omega. Yeah. Well, I mean, even last year, they, they sold all those two G1 shows yeah. in like two seconds. So, but yeah, I'm sure Alpha versus Omega helped with a bump too. But yeah, I think, you know, the company's hot right now in America. I don't know how long it's going to last, but um, they clearly have something here. I'm really interested in what the Cow Palace tickets, you know, how they move. Uh, but anyone who thought like maybe it was just uh, it's you know resellers, there were very few empty seats in the building yeah. today. Like at the, at the peak, like the the building was pretty much full. So, um, but yeah, really awesome show. Um, you know, not the best show I've ever been to or anything, but I've been lucky enough to be to, to go to a lot of awesome shows. But like the main event was incredible. Um, Semi main was very good, and pretty much you know the, the last three matches were very good. And the you know the show that would, the stuff that was more house show like was still pretty fun, 
So, I mean, really nothing to complain about. Really awesome show, and I'm glad I came out here. Yeah, it was, to me, a perfect example of everything on the card did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Everything had a purpose, and everything was fun. Like, I love Killer Elite Squad versus <laughs> Chucky e. T and Yano because everyone in that match just played their part so well. And that's what makes a great wrestling show. It's like, some nights you're going to be going 25 minutes in the main event, and some nights you're going to be... Well, Toriano's not going to be well, <laughs> Well, some nights you're going four minutes in the G1 main <laughs> event because you got a count-out win. And, yeah. Yeah. But it's like everyone everyone on this roster plays whatever role they're assigned to in any given day. Like, so well. Even, like, Goto's in the second match. And he just... The aura of... I love Goto. Yeah. And I thought he did a really good job. Like, there were more strike exchanges. He and Juice had some very, very good sequences, too. But... Building just, a never title match. Yeah. Just everyone did what... Everyone did what they were supposed to do. And then I liked, not just the top three, I, mean, I also liked Osprey and Liger. It was better than I thought it would be going in. I just, this was a really good show, top to bottom. A lot of fun. Just walked out with a smile in a way that not a lot of wrestling shows top to bottom give me. I mean, if you haven't seen this show, go out and it'll be on New Japan World, I think. Is it uploaded in like 48 hours? I think I think Americans can watch yeah. it, yeah, within 48 hours or something. I mean, this this is one of those shows that really just reiterated to me that like, if, if I like won the lottery or something, I would just be flying all around to see all these New Japan and DDT and all that shit because it's just the most fun I ever have is going to these shows. Like, I really just wish I could get on a plane and go to Ryogoku next week because it's a really good time. But but yeah, Sean, this was what you this is your second New Japan show, right? Yeah, this is my second. Yeah, because you went to you went to we haven't even talked about this. You went to Wrestle Kingdom twenty seventeen, one of one of I think one of the best yeah. shows. That, I mean, people have compared the two Wrestle Kingdoms. Um, you know, I've seen some people say like they like this year's better because, um, you know, it was a, a better top to bottom show. But like, I don't think anything like this that this year's show could not top twenty seventeen when it came to like those four matches that, in a row. That top four is the Her- most ridiculous experience Her- I've ever had. Hiromu Kushida, Shibata, Goto. Tanahashi Naito, which was my favorite of the show, but I, and I totally understand that people like Okada Omega yeah. better, but like I that match was incredible, and then Okada and and Omega, which you know is some one of the thing that I, that I don't want to be remiss that just think about Okada Omega reminded me of the video packages they do for the top matches are really good now, yeah, and like that Okada Omega video package, I remember sitting in the dome just watching that thing, and then when it ended and they brought up just the announcement of the match, I was like, holy shit, I'm yeah. so ready for. This. Yeah, the video packages are good, and like all the the videos in general and stuff yeah. are good. I don't know. I mean, they're like new. I I know people had a lot of trouble apparently with Access TV's production of the show, but like New Japan's like production of the building. I mean, that comes off really major league. Yeah. Like that, you you basically feel like you're at a you know a like a major league professional wrestling show. So, um, but yeah, I know I know apparent. I can't speak to what the fuck Access TV was doing because I heard like there was some really terrible production choices on that side because like like they they missed a brain buster from juice and locker or something which is uh, like the near fall they cut away which is really stupid but i don't know i saw some i saw some wwe fans on twitter making fun of it and there's any promotion on earth that shouldn't make fun of anybody about production <laughs> that would be the one and th- there was a reply like i saw from a guy is like um he basically said that wwe doesn't do jump cuts and uh, shaky cam all the time. Like, what the fuck what are, are you watching? I'm just gonna call him out. It's like fucking Jamesy guy. I hate that guy. Oh, fuck him. He's never gonna listen to this anyway. But if he does, buddy, you're an asshole. 
<laughs> That's probably a little harsh. Welcome he, to I, burying he, Omakase. He, with he, your he blocked me at one point, and then unblocked me out of nowhere one day. But like, I can't. I, I should block him because I cannot stand seeing his fucking takes on my fucking when he gets retweeted on my timeline. Like, just go, go, just go watch WWE and shut up. How about that? Just, <laughs> just stop talking. I never want to hear about your takes on New Japan again. Um, but anyway, now that I've buried some poor chap. Because um, I think he is like English or Irish or something. Um, that's about it, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's good. This is n- but can, Sean, you watch more WWE than I do. Do they or do they not have shaky cam and jump cuts all the it's time? It's one of those things <laughs> that you don't notice until you notice it, and when you notice it, it becomes totally unbearable. Like I that I watched that main event um, from the last SmackDown pay per view, and they fucking did a cut like every five goddamn seconds during that match. It'd be like cut, cut. Cut, cut, cut. Give me two guys in the ring just doing a move, and they would cut like four fucking times. Like, I cannot. It's one of the most unbearable parts about watching that promotion to me. But anyway, so, Jamesy, shit take. Do better. Um, let's wrap this up before I bury anybody else. Um, I mean, look, I buried myself too. I can. I, can, no, I buried John too. I can so give it. John I can take me, it. Jamesy, I don't know you. You're probably a swell guy. I'm sorry I just buried you out of nowhere. I feel bad now. Um, but you yeah, so I can, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I want to go to bed. I have to like upload this show. Oh, it's like my computer still tells me what time it is in America, and it's like or, we're or, in America, I mean, in New York. And look, if we were, we're in Japan, it'd be a lot smaller hotel room. That would, that's true. But no, I mean, uh, in in New York, I mean, it's like 3 a.m. in New York, and it feels like oh, it. Man. But um, all right, so let's wrap this up. Sean, go ahead and plug whatever you're gonna plug. You did the great. Stardom series. Yeah, I'm on uh, at the Dragon Suplex on Twitter. I've done a three-part introduction to Stardom for Voices of Wrestling. Working on an article right now on the history of Oedo Tai. Doing some research and watching a bunch of uh, recent shows to try and find exact quotes I want from Oedo Tai promos. It's a lot of fun going through and just uh, trying to find stuff like that. But hopefully, it'll result in a good end product. Happening. Hoping to have that for you guys soon. Otherwise, I'm hopefully launching uh, my pod, my own podcast on the history of stardom once I have time to record it and figure out how to get nice recording equipment like you have. This is like $35 on Amazon, buddy. I've never even seen this thing. It looks yeah. really cool. Just buy it. Just go look yeah. on Amazon for the blue snow. Yeah. It was probably on sales. It was probably a little more. Usually, I, I just I call in my past couple times, so yeah. I'm, I'm actually getting to see the apparatus at work. Yeah, it's just, it's just a little fucking snowball microphone. It's not that great. But um, yeah, just go look on Amazon. It's fine. Um, cool. This is the this is the microphone that I, I took when I took to Japan with me, to, so we could do some omakase recording in Japan. Like they, the the guy at the TSA like was like, we need to open your bag because we can't figure out what you have in there. And I was like, <laughs> what? And he's like, yeah, there's something in there. We don't know what it is. And my bag was like, look, I was taking a small suitcase because I was doing carry on for like two weeks in Japan. So my bag was fucking stuffed. Yeah. So having to open it up and like pull this thing out and he's like, oh, this is the thing. I'm like. It's a microphone. He's like, what do you mean it's a microphone? Like, I mean, it's a microphone. He's like, well, where do you talk into it? The part that looks like a fucking microphone is where you talk into it. Like, I don't know. He just, they couldn't figure out what this thing was. So then I had to, like, squeeze this fucking suitcase back together and zip it up again in, in the middle of the fucking, like, the post-security area. All because they didn't know what a fucking microphone looks like. But anyway, like, oh, you know, the other thing was, like, what do you mean it's a microphone for what? I'm like, for a computer. Like, what is so complicated about that? It's not like I'm... If I was bringing just this, maybe I can even understand more of the confusion. I had a laptop with me. Like, anyway. 
John now bearing the TSA. <laughs> yeah, the TSA can blow me. Um, let's wrap this up. Um, please don't put me on no fly list. But, um, anyway, that, that, we should wrap this up by plugging the Hyrule Castle Party, March 31st. You want to see some 12-year-olds in Zelda cosplay? Um, if not, then you just can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmikaze, not wrestling because it doesn't fit. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tushanshu in LA, which I'm never going to spell. So just well, for to, once you're actually in LA. Oh yeah, I am in LA. It's true. I am in LA. It's true. Oh no, I'm in Long Beach, buddy. Yeah, no, that's well. We were in LA. Well, you were in LA. Very, very drunk. At I, will, I will be back in LA tomorrow for um for to see the Los Angeles Kings, who just had a huge blow to their playoff hopes because they. Went out and lost to the sad sack Edmonton Oilers last night, and the Oilers did us They're all. St- the Oilers are still bad. Well, yeah, they they so okay, so they were bad for so long, and then last year they were finally good and made it, like all the way to the second round of the playoffs, and th- so they have one good year in the past like fifteen, and then this year like, okay, that's enough, time to go back to sucking. <laughs> it's like, uh, but yeah, so they beat the Kings last night, and then they lost the Ducks tonight, which is like a really bad one-two punch for the Kings. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully when I'm in attendance tomorrow, the Kings beat the Calgary Flames, who are also very bad, and move on a little closer to making the playoffs. But I don't know. Like, I, I barely watched hockey this season. I'm just going kind of because I, I, live hockey is still cool, and I'm going to, you know, I'm here anyway. I figured I'd go. And it's like trying to go to a Rangers game at MSG is like you better rob a bank or something. Like, those tickets are so ridiculous. Um, like, I what I paid for, like, good seats at the, at the Staples Center tomorrow is what you – you probably can't even get in the door for some games at MSG. I, I miss the days of the National Coliseum and me and Quinlan getting second rows. It's about $10 <laughs> for uh, Islanders Hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, the Islanders tickets at Brooklyn are not that much more expensive now because no one's going to those games either. But um, anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you all for listening. Um, I don't know what the show's going to be next week. I'm, I got, I'm going straight from... My schedule right now is crazy. I'm going flying back to New York on Tuesday. I'm home for all the day. And I get on a train to Boston on Thursday to go to an anime convention because very on brand. Oh, I'm hosting two Japanese pro wrestling panels there, uh, New Japan DET, so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to record a show. We'll figure it out, I guess. I'll have to find a guest. If I can find time to watch Sakura Genesis, maybe we'll do like a Sakura Genesis episode or something. But until then, everybody, thank you all for listening. We'll see you again We Weeabooyah. Weeabooyah. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.